When I was in my last year of high school, my English teacher, Mr. Knauer, told us a story of how, during his college years, he had gone off to Africa to teach English as a volunteer. I remember sitting in his classroom on that sunny Friday afternoon as light was cascading through the windows. As he spoke, I could see the village before my mind's eye, the red clay dirt streets and the younger version of my teacher with his bushy black mustache. Somehow the entire scene came to life before my mind's eye. Here it's important to mention that I was born and raised in East Germany under socialist rule, just like Mr. Knauer. Apart from a summer vacation in one of the neighboring East Bloc countries, we didn't leave our side of the wall much. And back in Mr. Knauer's days, I'm pretty sure they still needed a government permit to do so. By the time I was in high school, Germany had been reunited for over 10 years. But culturally, we were still deeply steeped in the idea of the East. It was home, where we belonged and where most of us would stay after high school graduation. And here was this English teacher in his 50s or 60s, ancient in any case in my teenage eyes, who had simply up and left decades ago to teach English on an entirely different continent. Where he would stand out. Where he wouldn't speak any of the 1,000 major languages. This was stuff from the movies, you all. Who would do such a thing? Why would anyone do such a thing? To my 19-year-old mind, this was absolute bonkers. People like us didn't do that. We didn't go to Africa, and we certainly didn't go as volunteers to teach a different language. Who had the money for that kind of thing? And who had the courage to pursue anything other than what the generations before us had done? finish school, start a career and a family, buy a house in the next village over, and repeat the same cycle as our parents and our grandparents before that. And still, this story planted a seed in my head that maybe, just maybe, this kind of thing was possible for people like us, for someone like me. And wouldn't you know it, a few months later, I was on the plane to Bangkok to teach English as a volunteer in Northern Thailand. Turns out, it was possible for someone like me. The story my teacher had told that sunny Friday afternoon, without thinking much of it, I'm sure, had changed the course of my life. Not only did it put me on a path of dedicating my career to making a difference for others, it also showed me what was possible. It opened up a future I would have never imagined for myself, one I couldn't have imagined. It showed me a possibility that I didn't even know had existed. All from a story that I happened to hear during my last year in high school. Welcome to Ecosystems for Change, where we co-author the playbook on transforming communities by amplifying the impact of changemakers around us. Whether you are an entrepreneur or otherwise changemaker yourself, a citizen who loves their community with a passion and wants to see it thrive, whether you are a mentor, investor, support organization, advisor, philanthropic funder, economic developer, or policymaker. Learn the practical tools and proven tactics of ecosystem builders from all around the world to better support the dreamers, doers, tinkerers, and makers in your community by taking a systems approach to social change. I'm your host, Annika Horn. In season six of Ecosystems for Change, we are going to explore the art, craft, and science of telling meaningful stories that have the power to affect change in our communities. I've always enjoyed hearing other people's stories, reading about them, and eventually telling these stories. 
As I started out helping to develop the ecosystem in Richmond, Virginia, I also began to understand that storytelling is a powerful tool in any ecosystem builder's toolbox. I began with little campaigns and blog posts featuring cool entrepreneurs and small business owners. To this day, I find these time-limited initiatives super fun and I've watched communities latch onto them easily. But once I picked up Peter Block's book, Community, The Structure of Belonging, I understood that storytelling can be much more, that it's actually a tool that helps a community create a vision for itself, to dream of a future that might be possible. Much like my English teacher had planted that seed for what could be, we as ecosystem builders can facilitate these conversations within our communities. The reason we love stories is that they can show us an alternative future, one of hope, possibility, and better outcomes. If you haven't read Community, The Structure of Belonging, here are some of Block's key points. The dominant narrative, especially in the Western world, is that we live in a world of scarcity, rugged individualism, and unrelenting competition. Doggy dog, everyone looks out for themselves. You get the picture. I recently spoke with Kate Holly on her podcast, The Space Beyond Scarce, about this abundance versus scarcity and rugged individualism. So head to the link in show notes if you want to listen to that. Block's point is that the more we repeat this narrative to ourselves and those around us, the more we will believe it. Block argues that instead of focusing on all the problems, we need to shift our outlook towards solutions and possibilities. Block claims, and I quote, that we currently have all the capacity, expertise, programs, leaders, regulations, and wealth required to end unnecessary suffering and to create an alternative future. He makes a case that as long as we focus on the problems and wait on others, such as, you know, the government or the guys up there to fix them, we will remain stuck. He even goes as far as to claim that some of us take our identity from those problems. According to Block, telling different stories is a way out of being stuck. By telling a different type of stories about our community, we shift our focus away from the problems that can define us to the possibilities that lay nascent and underutilized within our communities. To me, the following quote sums up his work beautifully. Stories can give us a narrative to guide and instruct us. They are crucial to our knowing who we are They provide us a sense of identity. We need to distinguish between the stories that give meaning to our lives and help us find our voice and those that limit our possibility. And I happen to wholeheartedly agree with him. Here's another story that also happened during my last year in high school that illustrates this point. One day, we had a math substitute teacher who really wanted to make the case for why math was important. Good on her. She asked us what our career aspirations were so she could point out why math was essential in this or that career path. I, forever the woman of words, raised my hand and proudly announced that I wanted to become a journalist, as far away from calculus and algebra as I could get. She, matter-of-factly, pointed out that without a solid foundation in math, I wouldn't be able to comprehend statistics and data sets. Consequently, I would never make it as a journalist. And you know what? I took her word for it. I abandoned my dreams of going to college for journalism and believed the next 10 years that I couldn't be a writer. As empowering as the story was that my English teacher had told, 
as disempowering was the story that my math teacher had told me about myself. That is the power of story. I became that negative story and even started to see proof for it wherever I went. In other words, the stories we tell ourselves are in fact who we become. So we better make sure it's a good one. Here's what this looks like in ecosystem building. If all we ever talk about in our ecosystem is how there are no great ideas, no investable companies, no talent and no investors that are willing to invest locally, we tell a pretty grim story. It's outright sad, depressing. And the more often we repeat that narrative, the more people, including ourselves, will believe it. Not just believe it, but consider it the capital T truth. And so this grim prophecy becomes self-fulfilling. If, on the other hand, we made the effort of telling stories of hope and potential, we create a breeding ground for opportunity. In the exact same ecosystem that bitches and moans about all the shortcomings, and by the way, every ecosystem has shortcomings, I guarantee you will also find a handful of good examples of good ideas, of startups worth investing in, of local talent that has the chops, and maybe even one or two examples of investors who are willing to take a chance and invest locally. Look, I don't suggest you make things up. I suggest that you take a good hard look at your community and decide what type of story you want to tell. Then you go out and find those stories. Ask around, expand your network. Start small with one or two local role models that represent the message you want to convey. In A Manifesto for Moral Revolution, Jacqueline Novogratz writes, The question is, which stories will we tell? Those reeking of despair or those imbued with a hard-edged hope? The job of the moral leader, which is the job of all of us, is to learn to tell the stories that matter. Stories that unite and inspire, reinforcing our individual and collective potential and paint a picture of the future that we can build and inhabit together. Stories that matters are not stories that demean, derise, divide, ridicule, belittle, blame, or shame. We must take the harder path of telling stories that hold our truth, both the ugly and the beautiful, while remaining laser-focused on the possible. The Shenandoah Valley, where I currently live, work, and play, is an excellent example of this. There is a story we could tell ourselves that, as a rural region, the only thing we have is cows, farms, a national park, and more cows. We could even tell a story about the opioid epidemic, homelessness, deeply rooted systemic racism, poverty, and hillbillies. And believe me, this story has been told over and over. But I and many of my peers and accomplices refuse to accept this story as the truth. We are telling a different story that is equally true and valid. The Shenandoah Valley is full of creatives, of doers and tinkerers, makers and visionaries. At SCCF, where I work, we have written and published dozens of stories about small businesses and the ecosystem because we chose that narrative. We want to highlight trailblazers and out-of-the-box thinkers, citizens with the courage to try something new, entrepreneurs who redefine what innovation means. In brief, we want to tell stories that signal to our community that there is possibility here. You can head over to our blog and our newly launched storytelling platform right now to read these stories for yourself. I'll make sure to put all the links into the show notes. And as you'll see, 
When you're just starting out with storytelling, it'll likely be far from perfect, but don't let that stop you. What matters is that we tell these positive, forward-looking stories with whatever resources we have at hand. Before we explore this deeper with my guests this season, I want to mention one more key tool up front. If you've watched Game of Thrones or you've read The Lord of the Rings or any other really good saga, you know that every good adventure story needs a map. If you tell the stories of the changemakers in your community, having a map helps you and your audience get oriented and figure out what is what. Who are the key players? What does the landscape look like? What are the gaps and what barriers will the protagonists have to overcome or work around? If your story is the entry point, a solid map helps everyone involved go on their own adventure and explore the ecosystem. In last year's summer skill session, I went deep into the weeds of the mapping process for ecosystem builders. So naturally, I wanted to invite someone onto the show to give us a little bit more insight into the why, how, and when of mapping an ecosystem. Pavel Lepere of Ecomap Technologies took the time to tell us about the importance of mapping for storytelling. And here's what Pava had to say. Pava, thank you so much for coming on the show. As you know, we're talking about storytelling this season and no one better to talk to than you to give us a bit of a lay of the land on how we can use maps and platforms and directories to sort of figure out where we are and what's happening. Before we dive into this conversation, though, can you tell us a little bit more about what Ecomap is, what it does and who it works with? Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for having me. Very excited to be on a podcast about ecosystem building. It is a topic near and dear to my heart. Um, so at Ecomap, what we do is we make information about ecosystems more accessible. Uh, when I was first starting out in my career, I was working within the Baltimore ecosystem, and I found it so ridiculous almost that there wasn't just one place I could go to see all of the different organizations and the resources and the programs that existed within that ecosystem. Because at the end of the day, these networks that are all around us are very important to whether or not we find the right resources for our business or if we connect with the right people. But we don't have a good way to get information about those invisible networks. So what we do at Ecomap is we gather all of that data about what are those different assets in the ecosystem? What are the different organizations, the businesses, the programs, the opportunities, the activities? And we centralize all of that data into either a platform or a chatbot so that you can get full visibility into what exists in that ecosystem. And so people can find the information that they need. And that's really at the core of what we do. We're just trying to make it easier to find the information that you need about the ecosystems all around you. That leads perfectly to my next question. How does having a map of the ecosystem help us become good storytellers? I think the main way is that it allows you to understand all of the characters that are involved in that story. You know, one of the most profound things to me when we first started Ecomap would be coming back to customers and saying, here are all of the different organizations and programs that we found within your community and them going, oh my gosh, I never knew that we had that or I didn't know this organization was working on that. And I think that that's very important because when we're dealing with ecosystems and ecosystem building, we really need to understand that entire cast of characters and who exists in our communities. And sometimes accessing that knowledge is left up to chance, which means we're leaving out a big part of our collective story. And so that is one of the areas where I find the process of ecosystem mapping and having these directories really helpful because it lets you get that full picture so you have a better 
idea of how you talk about your ecosystem, who is involved, and what that full narrative really looks like for your community. Do you have an example of a client who you've worked with who've used their map and tied it in with some of their storytelling efforts? Yeah, honestly, one of the first customers we ever worked with out in Dallas, um, still one of my favorite examples to this day, even though it feels like a decade ago, um, they wanted to create a database of all the different small business resources, um, not only to make it easier for those small business owners to find that information, but also to make a point to their local governments that there was not enough resources for black and brown founders in the Dallas metro area. And it wasn't until we had all of the data about where all those ESOs were in one place that we could actually put that data on a physical map and show that that map more or less aligned identically with um, demographic maps of the area, as unfortunately the resources always tend to fall in these more predominantly white or higher income areas, we were able to actually make that point visually. And so even though people knew it conceptually, it wasn't until we actually had all of that information in one place that you're really able to come and see like, wow, this is a big a resource distribution problem. And they were able to use that to get some policies passed uh, and some more programmatic support in order to make their ecosystem more equitable. And so stands out as one of my favorite, favorite stories and applications of the data um, to date, even though they were one of our earliest customers. What you said rings so true with me because I feel every time I talk to someone in the ecosystem about the ecosystem, everybody has a different perspective on what's available, who's doing what, who's doing a good job. And I feel like we're telling completely different stories, even though we may be living in the same city, but our experiences are so different. So really having that map helps seeing what gaps are there, seeing where there's overlays, you know, show us the blind spots so we can actively work towards filling those. And that all ties in with storytelling. Super. Pava, you have so many functionalities with Ecomap. I feel like there's almost nothing that you can't do. Can you tell us a little bit more about the features that are available that are specifically helpful when it comes to visibility, storytelling, and sort of building that narrative? Yeah, absolutely. And so... One of my favorite parts of Ecomap is that they have so many different features with directories and event calendars and job boards and program management, all of that. But at the end of the day, my favorite feature is always just the resource directories themselves. Um, because one of the hardest parts about operating in an ecosystem is feeling like there isn't a program that can help you out, or there isn't a funding source for your business or a mentor you can talk to. And so to be able to just go to a directory and say, like, I am a woman-led growth startup at a mature stage looking for funding and going from this entire universe of programs down to the four that meet that criteria that is always a magical moment for me as a user, but also for a lot of our customers and their entrepreneurs and the users of their platforms. And so out of all of the features, you know, the ability to just kind of narrow down that data is the one that I think make matters the most for storytelling because it reminds you that in this giant ecosystem that you have, what actually matters for each individual is the thread of different assets that they connect with along the way. You know, like the story of Ecomap growing up within Baltimore's tech ecosystem is what organizations and programs we engaged with at what point in our journey. And so the ability to see the whole universe and then the specific things that a, a company used or the different organizations who are offering rich programs, it really helps humanize that big data set in a certain way um, that I really love. I couldn't agree more. 
I think being able to map a founder's journey mm-hmm. through the ecosystem and see what kind of touch points they had with which events and which programs and which parts of the community is that's like the high art of storytelling yeah. about what is going on in your ecosystem. Tell us a little bit more about your chat bot functionality. What is that and who can use it? Oh, yeah. So that is actually one of um, the things I'm most excited about. And so for the past four years, we have been perfecting the art of really going out and getting really detailed data about what exists in an ecosystem and feeding all of that data into platforms. And as we've talked about, they have a lot of features that can be very helpful, but they actually are not the easiest way to get information about the ecosystem because you have to understand what you need. You have to know the language to use. You have to know what those filters are. And a lot of times somebody doesn't know exactly the type of support they need or what the right language is to describe it. And so what a chatbot allows you to do is ask very natural questions and then it will guide you in conversation towards the right information, resources, support for every entrepreneur's individualized use case. And so these chatbots are powered by some of the most recent advances in AI conversation technology. So an entrepreneur can literally go and say, like, I need funding. And it knows to ask them more questions and say, well, what type of business do you have or what stage are you at or what do you want to use the funding for? And it will talk them through these concepts and the entrepreneurs can ask questions like, well, what's the difference between a loan or a grant? Um, And it will then use all of that information to get a picture of what this user needs and then recommend the resources to them. And it is just a paradigm shift in how we access information about ecosystems because there's really no way you can build a platform to meet every single user's needs and use cases. And so the new chatbot feature um, is is really mind-blowing in terms of how easy and dynamic it makes it to get information about ecosystems for every individual user. Um, I am, if you can't tell, super, super excited about the rollout of Ecobot. You're blowing my mind a little bit because one thing I hadn't considered is how language is so crucial to how we tell stories. Mm-hmm. And you and I easily fall into the language of high-growth startup and venture yeah. capital and seed A and yada, yada, yada. But the truth is so many entrepreneurs don't use that language. They may not even identify as entrepreneurs yet. So having a tool that sort of, I don't want to say translates, but just makes the platform more accessible is really, really helpful and also helps us figure out how to tell those stories. Cool. Hey, Baba, how can people who have now listened to this are super excited about Ecomap? How can they get in touch and how can they work with you? What does that look like? Yeah, absolutely. We always love talking to ecosystem builders. um, And so anyone can get in touch with us at our website, ecomap.tech. Um, and we are happy to, you know, obviously explain more about our products and what they do, but we're just as happy to get on a call and nerd out about ecosystem theory or talk about what we've learned mapping ecosystems across the world, um, or really even just troubleshooting with specific challenges people may be facing trying to make information about their ecosystems more accessible. Um, we're blessed to be a pretty large team at this point. We're 30 people, um, which is wild, which means that I get a little bit more time to like nerd out with ecosystem practitioners if they really want to talk about what we've learned from the data and the theory side of it. And so ecomap.tech will get you all of our information. And so just as happy to talk to people about our products as we are to nerd out about the theory and practical applications of what we've learned. Super. Little plug for the upcoming Startup Champions Network Summit that is going to take place in DC in June. Anyone who's listening who is coming to the summit, edit bonus is you will run into the good people from Ecomap. 
and you can have those conversations in person. Pava, thank you so much for making the time and introducing us to one of the best tools for storytelling for ecosystem builders. I appreciate you being here. Oh, I appreciate you having me on. Thank you so, so much. In season six of this show, I'm speaking with other storytellers to learn their tips and tricks of the trade. I hope to uncover how others go about finding and telling meaningful stories that give hope and propel their communities forward. I want to find out exactly what intentions these storytellers have, how they approach storytelling, what their process looks like from beginning to end, and how they make the money work. As always on the show, my hope is that we can learn from each other, avoid the obvious pitfalls, and as a result, simply become better at what we do. Transform our communities by supporting the changemakers without them. Welcome to Season 6. A heartfelt thank you to my partners at Ecomap Technologies for making this season possible. Head over to ecomap.tech to learn more about how they use modern technology to make ecosystem information more accessible. I pay my respect to the traditional custodians of the land on which I work and live, the Monacan, Shawanda Satula, and Monahawk people. I recognize their continuing connection to land, water, and community. I pay respect to elders past, present, and emerging. This episode was produced by Yellow House Media. 